You are Locked On Knicks, your daily podcast on the New York Knicks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shot blocked. Porzingis with his fourth rejection. What he does is contagious. He comes in fetches. And across the lane. Baker launches it. Jack to Porzingis. Fires up the Welcome, everybody, to Lockdown Knicks, the podcast that's in the 99th percentile of explaining, complaining, and entertaining. I'm your host, James Marcina, a.k.a. Yeah, um, I'd like a pumper Nick Old Bagel with Knox spread, aka Kevin. The Knox is hot. The Knox is hot. <laughs> you may know me as the founder of NBA Injury Report on Twitter, and this is episode three sixteen. Mm. On today's show, we're gonna talk about what's been going on recently. I feel like something happened. Oh, it's the draft! We're going to talk about the NBA draft. I know you guys have been waiting for it. Sorry for the wait, but I think you'll find that we've got some grade A takes on the Knicks picking Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. And to help me dole out these grade A takes, these flaming Hot Cheeto takes, our Locked On Knicks favorites, Alex Wolf and Drew Steele. I'm going to try to keep the discussions of anime to a minimum, but we're going to give you guys what you need to know about the Knicks drafting Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. Just wrapped up the conversation. It was a fun one. I think you guys are going to enjoy. Let's just start the thing. Hit it, Mars. Yes! So the Knicks are on the clock. They have to get their pick in. Michael Porter is on the board. McCall Bridges is on the board. Miles Bridges is on the board. Kevin Knox is on the board. Zaire Smith is on the board. And people of that nature, channeling my inner Stephen A. Smith. In that moment, before the Knicks pick was officially in, I'm curious if you guys had any thoughts about who you wanted. If you were sitting there and you were like, yes, my guy's here. Or like, shit, I'm going to jump into the Gowanus because, you know, Doncic is gone. Why don't we start with you, Alex? And tell me in that moment what you were thinking. Well, so it was, I mean, the fact that Porter dropped that far obviously made it tempting. Uh-huh. I mean, he, he was he was right up there for the top two, three guys right before the season. But that injury is so scary. Though. Like, ultimately, I just kind of come to peace with the fact that if they didn't pick him, it's because they determined that he was too scary from a medical standpoint. Yeah. Because obviously the talent was there. Mm-hmm. So once you got past him, you know, I was at peace with if they took him or didn't take him. I had actually settled in on Knox as my guy anyway. So I was, yeah, I was pretty excited. Like I, uh, when we did a, we did a round table on posting and toasting where everybody picked who they wanted the Knicks to pick. And I was the only guy that picked Knox. And I was like, you know what? Like I I watched enough of him that I really felt confident in that pick at that point. And, uh, you know, I just think that, the Knicks talk such a big game about 
we're looking for wings. We're looking to be in talent acquisition mode. And he just felt like the guy that would potentially give you the greatest return if he reaches his potential. Cause, and, and I mean, it's not just a product of him only being 18 years old right now, going to turn 19 in August. Mm-hmm. Like, there's actually skills to back it up, too. And there's also like a historical trend of five star players from Kentucky yeah. coming out and like way outperforming what they did in college Absolutely. once they get to the pros. So that was kind of my thought process. So I was like super happy with the pick. I mean, I sat there. I cheered. Did you? Did you jump? I, I clapped. Um, I got up from my seat for a second. I said like, "Yeah, awesome," <laughs> or something to that nature. I hope you did it in just know. that tone of like a yeah, serial awesome. Yes, Kevin Knox, you're my guy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was me. Drew, over to you. What were you thinking in that moment? What were you hoping the Knicks would do? I was hoping that they would probably go one of the other, you know, one of the bridges. Uh Um, I was already too, like, I was for the most part upset that Dallas um, got Doncic because I'm moving out of Dallas, so I'm not going to be able to, like, watch him all the time. So I was really mad about that because I'm like, no, I don't get to see him, his rookie season. Well, I got got good news for you, Drew. They've got this thing uh, called television and um, also the internet. And on both of these mm. platforms, they have... They actually broadcast moving images of <laughs> this is interesting. Of, okay, of these guys playing. Yeah, no, for all the teams now. No, oh, I want to look into that. That shit sounds like a really useful tool. Yeah, can we? Do you think we could use that to record the podcast? Because right now we're all three of us are on landlines. Oh, were you right hoping now. to record this? I thought we were just having a chat as friends. Yeah, well, you know, one one in the same, I guess. All right, but uh. <laughs> But uh, no, I was so after like being a little upset about that, you know, the three wings, you know, Mikhail, Miles, and Knox were all available. So I'm like, all right, they're gonna pick one of those guys. Uh, Colin Sexton was just picked before, so I was like, woof, praise, uh, praise to Jesus. So I was fine. I'm, and then they picked, and then they picked Knox, and I was like, okay, that's, that that works. The I pumped my fist when Cleveland took Colin Sexton. Um, <laughs> oh just, yes. Me too. That was. No, I, did, I did the same thing. <laughs> that was. Now I'll, I'll get into this, and I'm happy with Knox to kind of like spoiler alert. But it wasn't. It didn't make me like jump out of my chair and like scream with delight or anything. Um, but when Colin Sexton was picked, I was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Not going to the Knicks. Um, I laughed a little bit. Watch him wind up being great, but he just wasn't the pick for the Knicks. I mean, say what you will about his talent, but I just don't think that fit was there. But for me, it was interesting because I found myself in this exact position that I was in as part of the Locked On podcast mock draft that we did. And in that situation, I took Michael Porter because, I mean, let's be honest, it's like a preseason game almost. Like, I'm not actually making the decision for the Knicks. I didn't have the medicals. It was about a week before um, the actual draft when I when I made that call. So I'm just like looking at this. I'm like, yeah, Michael Porter, a fantastic talent. I'm pulling the trigger at nine. When the, you know, when it actually rolls around, I'm both terrified of picking Michael Porter. Like his back loomed much larger um, in the actual moment when it could have become reality. Um, But at the same time, I did have a bout of sort of temporary insanity. And I tweeted this at the time. I was like, I'm so stupid. I'm so stupid. I want Porter. Like I found myself, because I just didn't I – think, I think what it was is I didn't think he'd actually wind up being there as much as I knew it was a possibility. And I talked about this um, with um, – oh, God. Now I'm blanking. Cole. With Cole's wicker. 
Um, and he was like, you know, if he drops to the Knicks, you don't want to draft him because that means that something is seriously wrong with his medicals that that many people would pass up on him. So I had that in my head, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do. And they drafted Knox, and my reaction was just like, okay, or, or, or good. Or, you know what, good. But, like, this was the right call. Um, I felt solid that they had that I was not in the war room picking for the Knicks and, like, panic-picking uh, you know, Porter. So, in the moment, you know, not ecstatic, but I understood it. And over the coming days, I started to kind of like uh, warm up to it even more as I looked at even more tape and all that. But now that that pick is in, I'm wondering if we can maybe go around the horn, maybe in reverse this time, start with Drew and talk about what we did like about this pick. Like, what, 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 why is this a good pick for the Knicks? So, right immediately after Knox was picked, we all know that, you know, the Brooklyn fans, not the Brooklyn fans, you know, the New York Knicks fans in Brooklyn were all booing. They were chanting, like, we want Porter. Right. All that, you know, nonsense. And then he goes to sit down to talk to the um, the lady who was doing the interviews. And Knox was like, they can chant Michael Porter all they want. They got Kevin Knox, and they almost have to deal with it. And I was like, sold. Yes. Like, right after that point, I'm like, all right, I'm sold on this uh, this kid. Like, he's already, you know, saying stuff like that. And then it says, like, you know, the days you kind of think it over a little more and you go, no, there's just a lot of logic to it, just given, you know, his age, height, skills, you know, his ability to grow, mm-hmm. both, you know, like, you know, like with strength and even as like a player. And, for, and it seems like next year is going to be almost like a throwaway year anyway, right. from what, you know, it appears to be. So, you know, you take, like, one of the youngest guys, if not the youngest guy in the draft, and you just kind of hope for the best. So, from now on, I'm, I'm pretty much sold and kind of happy that Knox is the, uh, is the pick. Before I pass it over to Alex, I just want to underline and then, like, circle and draw arrows to that quote. I feel like that's destined to be legendary. They can chant Michael Porter all they want, but they got Kevin Knox. Like, to say that, it's got balls. And he didn't stutter. There was none of that, you know, like, he was like... Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. <laughs> he was well, calm as hell. I was like, this guy wants to be here. Like, that's what it felt like immediately. And it's so funny, right? Because everybody always gets all caught up on the, like, if you're going to play in New York, you right. got to be a New York guy, you know? Like, and it's like, Kevin Knox, like, clearly was a, a New Yorker right mm-hmm. there. You know what I mean? He was, yeah. he, he had that, like, that flair to him, that kind of, like, bravado of, like, Absolutely. Yo, like you guys got you guys got me now. I'm out on the yeah. Knicks, like, and I'm gonna prove all y'all wrong. And you guys can just shut up. He was like Michael Porter, uh, this, and he grabbed his crotch, basically. Yeah, if he <laughs> had, that would have been that would have been extra legendary. Oh, <laughs> uh, but you imagine it's bound to happen at some point in an infinite universe. Maybe in 150 drafts from now, someone's gonna grab their crotch angrily at the crowd. It's a matter. Of Oh, I can't still, wait to that's see if it. the world still exists in 150 drafts from now. Well, look at it this way: it's probably already happened on a much better timeline. How about that? It's gonna be. Well, speaking uh, of yeah, timelines, speak, speaking of of, of uh, sci-fi crap, do either you guys watch Rick and Morty? Of course. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sure that I'm sure that listeners also watch Rick and Morty. I'm just imagining like a future where grabbing your crotch is going to be the peace among worlds sign like when he has that episode where he has the he makes his own little world and he tells them that flipping each other off means peace among worlds <laughs> it's just going to be like someday grabbing your crotch is going to be the new like waving hello i love it um but yeah so to get back to get back on top <laughs> yeah, what were we talking about basketball 
yeah, obviously, like I said a couple minutes ago, I, I love Knox. Like, I, I kind of grew to love the idea of taking him. Mm-hmm. Um, he averaged he averaged almost 16 points a game last year at Kentucky. Uh, he made all kinds of all kinds of all freshmen and all SEC teams, which is, I mean, ultimately it's not like an end all be all type deal, but it looks good. It looks good on the resume and such a stacked conference to be on the all SEC team. Um, And if you look at some of his numbers and his measurables, he measures up really good to some of the players that have come into the NBA and done really well. Most notably, I noticed a lot of statistical similarities between him and Jason Tatum. Yeah. Which yeah. is obviously shooting really high, but like there's a chance that with a with a proper role where he's kind of at least at first eased into not like an alpha role, um, mm-hmm. and is able to just kind of work off others, that he might surprise some people and actually, you know, play really well right away. Sort of like how Tatum did. Yeah, I think that's possible. Um I want to talk a little bit more about things that I like about this pick. But first just want to remind everyone that you are listening to Lockdown Knicks. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team, every day. So one of the things I like the most about this pick is sort of not even related to who Kevin Knox is as a player, although there's certainly lots to like there. Um, but I just like what it says about the Knicks' approach. You know, they you can talk a big game about doing things the right way and being patient and willing to develop players, but... You know, this is really putting their money where their mouth is in a big way. I mean, like, you you don't make this pick if you're not going to exercise patience. You don't make this pick if you don't believe um, in your player development program. We've seen a lot of talk in, you know, sort of the week or, you know, a couple of days, not quite a week since the draft about Fisdale talking about, you know, all my guys are player development guys and I'm going to make men out of these people. <laughs> I think that's a little bit... Overblown, but I also think it's not. I mean, you know, these are young men, you know, borderline kids still. A lot of ways they still are kids. So they're away from home. They need like mentors they can look up to, you know, and some more than others. But for the people who do need that, um, need that guiding hand, um, you know, it's comforting to know that from all accounts, from what everyone's saying, they do look up to Fisdale, these kids, and, like, think that, you know, he's got their best interests in heart, and, you know, I have no reason to believe he doesn't, but people can talk a big game, it doesn't mean people, you know, sort of buy it, and it seems like people are all sort of buying in, so I, I just loved what they said about, like, where the Knicks are right now, and what they're willing to do, um, and then just um, some things that I liked about, I mean, you, I, I, I think it was, I forget which one of you guys said it a couple minutes ago, but, like, the Kentucky of it all, just, like, that he... He says that he has more than he showed at Kentucky. There's a history of Kentucky players showing more um, after they graduate. Um, we this kind of also dovetails with some reports about him having, uh, you know, his handle looking better in workouts after uh, you know the season ended before the draft. We haven't seen that, but taking people's words for it um, I, and news of him just like he must have just whooped Miles Bridges' ass in, in that workout. Um, because it seems like that happened for a couple teams. Um, he seems coachable. He had like a weird quote that kind of made me sad about how his dad yelled at him all the time growing up. Um, <laughs> he's like, did you read? Did you guys read the Q and A with Serby? No, it's no. Steve Serby. He does these like kind of. They're actually surprisingly. Um, you get interesting questions in there. They're not like necessarily Pulitzer Prize worthy or anything. But when new 
players join the Knicks, he gets a lot of time with them, and he asks like 30, 40 questions, and some weird things come up. And he was like, "What do you? What was your dad like growing up?" And he's like, "Oh, he just yelled in my face all the time." <laughs> and he was like, did "Okay, you, did you get upset about that?" And he was like, "Yeah, I cried. I cried a lot, but that's what you got to do. You got to yell in my face. People learn differently." So I feel like he's coachable, even though I'm a little. I hope he wasn't too traumatized by his father, but um, I don't know. I just I like it. So a lot side, of about him. side note on that, yeah, I saw. I I think it was a Mark Berman story from the New York Post. Mm-hmm. I think it was him that had it. Someone interviewed Knox's dad, like about uh, about Knox growing up and whatever. I, I think it was Berman. I don't want to attribute it wrong, yeah. but um, it was basically like. And I mean, I'm sure Knox's dad was was a good dude. Like he seems like a nice guy, and he seems very proud of his son and everything. And Knox loves him, but it was it was the same deal. It was like from the second that Knox came out of the womb. His dad was like breeding him to be a, a NFL quarterback at first, yeah. and once he figured out that he was going to be too t- tall to play in the NFL, he was like, "Shit, well, we'll get you playing basketball. Like you're going to be some kind of athlete, goddamn it, and that's going to happen." <laughs> this story and, was him like throwing a Nerf ball on him when he couldn't even move his arms. He was just like pegging yeah. him with a ball. And then, and then, um, there was one quote in there, and I forget how it exactly went, but it was basically like he described when he met his wife. It was like, yeah, I saw her, and I just knew she was going to pump out an athlete for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, he talked about her jeans. He's like a yeah. – <laughs> it's like some uh, weird, like, quasi-fascism going on. It was, it was frightening. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes you need to breed a little monster, a little Michael Jordan, who isn't well-adjusted but just wants to compete – <laughs> just just wants to please his dad at all costs, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, Breathe the perfect athlete. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was terrifying. And then, uh, speaking of Berman, he's, like, obsessed with the idea that the Knicks should have drafted McCall. So, and is, like, writing weird hit pieces about Fisdale being the only reason they drafted uh What's his uh, drafted Knox because like he was obsessed with his workout. So if Berman's beating that drum, that makes me feel better about the Knox pick. I think Berman's salty because he uh, he made good friends with McCall's family and was really excited to have a like a really good in. Um, I could see that. I could see that. Um, does anyone else have any other positive feelings about the? Knox pick about Knox himself anything that you've noticed in the days since the draft before we move on to any concerns we might have yeah he folds his pizza which is really good to hear Interesting. or see so are you, that's all I got are you guys both folders yes oh yeah no, are you not a folder it depends I, I'm a folder Ugh. yeah I grew up <laughs> so I grew up okay Growing up, I, I'm just like a little fatty at heart and maybe at body as well um, at this point. But I like to savor things. So when I was a kid, I did a couple of gross things. One of them was like suck on M&Ms. Like I didn't chew them. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. I would I'd be lying that. if I said I've never done that. Okay. So you're not alone. Now, well, I've never done that. So And I'm not lying. That's weird. Well, good for you, Drew. And another one was I didn't like to fold pizza because I felt like it went away quicker. You'd eat more per bite when it was folded. So I would like nibble across. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it is, no, you're right to laugh. It's deranged and it's like sloppier somehow. You wind up like getting it all over your face. 
When I go to a fancy pizza place, though, that has the smaller pies, um, sometimes I don't fold because they're like not that big. They're kind of bite-sized. But see, James, you know what you know what tells me that you're not a true fat kid is that if you were actually a fat kid, like I used to be, uh-huh. you take the pizza and you fold it and you eat it faster, and then you just eat that much more pizza because yeah, it feels exactly. Like Fair enough. Fair enough. But I also <laughs> felt I had. I think there was part, There was like a theory that. When folding, I didn't taste it as much because it was like hidden in between the crust. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't get that full contact. But, but it also strange. turns it into a giant like cheese ball in the middle. Like it turns it into like yeah. just mm-hmm. this giant mound of cheese, and it's delicious. It's perfect. Yeah. Suffice it to say, I think there's more than one way to eat pizza. That's all. I'm not gonna hate on someone who you know is different than me. I'm like Drew. I know he likes to do that. Um, well, what do you think? You cut pizza with a fork and knife too? No, that's like what do you? Doing? That okay? That is too far. That's a, way too far. Um, and okay, moving on. <laughs> what do we not like about this pick? If anything, are there any causes for concern? Uh, any doubts at all? Who wants to start? Of course, yeah, I'll start. I, I, I mean, of course, there's got to be doubts and concerns. I think, given like what players they had available to them they made a very good educated choice with Knox but there's of course there's risk I mean he's 18 yeah you know and and he wasn't perfect at Kentucky uh he he, there was some like maybe basketball IQ related stuff where he kind of seemed to drift a little bit especially on defense uh seemed like his mind was kind of drifting from time to time um he could definitely use some bulking up and i mean the knicks have had pretty good track record with that recently with noakina and porzingis bulking up pretty well but i mean there's always the chance that he just doesn't fill out the way you want him to and if that never happens then that kills half of his potential which is playing as a small ball four right um i mean that's something that i did that's something i didn't mention before but i do also like he does have that potential to play the four um which would like push kp more of the five more which i'd like to see so that was a, an, another another small bonus to the selection. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. I mean, there's just, there's always risk, especially when you're selecting in, like, the, the latter half of the lottery. And that's, like, a really tricky range, 7 to 14, where you can either find a star or, like, a total flame out. Very so, true. Well, what, but, about, what about you, Drew? Um, you, you said that you kind of were leaning toward one of the bridges. Um, mm-hmm. Do you still sort of feel that way? What, what are your reservations with Knox? Um. In jet, like broadly speaking, I don't really have any concerns with Docs or pre- for for the most part, almost like any pick for uh, if the Knicks pick anyone because I kind of treat rookies like uh, I kind of think I mentioned this in the Shea Gilchrist Alexander thing I wrote for Posting Tosing. I treat them like tabula uh, tabula rasa, mm-hmm. you know, completely blank slate. So I kind of need to see what their default line is for like their rookie year. Then I need to see the magnitude of the improvement between year two and then the same sort of magnitude between year two and year three. And that's when I kind of get a base idea of like who this player is and what they can and can't be. Like right now, like I have no clue. I mean, college competition to me is just, you know, eh. like it doesn't, like I, I don't really kind of just throw it away because I kind of wanted to see how they are against uh, yeah. NBA players. But there is one minor, well, two minor concerns. Well, more one actually is kind of like his shot profile. Um, his zone true shooting was a 53.6, and that's, you know, below league average. Mm-hmm. Um, so he took a lot of mid-range shots with Kentucky. A lot. And that's slightly concerning, but I don't know if it has to do with Kentucky's offense, which was, you know, very cramped already 
and he was like their only three-point shooter and there's just a lot of guys who just couldn't do anything but he also shot he did have a true shooting percentage at 55.6 so he was you know somewhat he was more efficient you know he was slightly efficient in those inefficient shots so it's not the end of the world so that would be my only concern so hopefully you know with um, the Knicks and Fizzle they'll make him take more threes and then I just wouldn't expect any sort of like playmaking from him like that's just something I just wouldn't expect but at the same time it's not you know I'm you know don't expect him to be like if he's a black if he's a bad playmaker just I wouldn't expect him to be good anyway so it's almost like a moot point but like but in general I just kind of want to see what he's going to do his first year before I can really get a idea of him no I hear that and for me you know before I had the momentary Michael Porter madness I'd kind of locked in on McCall as my guy only because he just needs he does stuff already that the Knicks really need. I mean, like, when you look at Knox right now, he does show some potential, um, I think, as a defender, but I'd say the majority of his tape is, like, pretty bad um, in, in that regard. He, he does sort of seem to float and get lost and have mental lapses, like you said, Alex, and it's just, it's not impressive. I mean, that's for sure. And he shows three-point potential. I like the way his shot looks, um, but he's not at that sort of elite level that McCall got to, so... When I look at, you know, who Mikhail is right now, I still am, like, pining for that slightly. But I totally believe that Knox can, um, you know, reach Mikhail's level and even surpass it. And I said this, you know, the day of the draft in the podcast I released, that if you, you know, believe in Knox's ability to maximize his potential, I do think you're looking at a better player than Mikhail Bridges. Um, And if the Knicks think that, obviously they do, which is why they drafted him. Um, I'm on board. I feel like you needed more information than I had access to to make that call, like some of these workouts, like just like talking to the kid, um, you know, seeing some of the things he can do. And when you look at his, you know, uh, game tape and like some of the things he did, like Drew, you mentioned his mid-range game, and that's very true. But at the same time, um, like they did seem to always just be like running. Like when we talk about his bad three-point percentage, or not great, it was around 34 and a half. Like, they were just running him off screens like he was Reggie Miller, like, all game long. And he's this 18-year-old kid, isn't fully, like, developed in his body yet. Like, I could see him getting tired. A couple people have uh, brought this up. In addition to, like, shot selection issues and stuff like that, there there were reasons to minimize what was, like, bad about his three-point shooting and, you know, be hopeful that he could, you know, maximize his potential there, too. So, you know, it's... I, my only thing was that I was... Uh, I just liked what McCall already seemed to bring to the table that Bridget, that uh, Knox hadn't fully realized yet. But if you believe that he could do it, I, I think it's the right call. Um, and ultimately, I'm, you know, I'm really happy with the pick. Um, I, 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 he does. I didn't kind of, kind of quite realize what sort of athlete he was until I like looked more at it. And there's some real like incredible flashes. He can, he's going to throw down a couple dunks that are going to have people like woo. Um, when he gets going. So, I mean, we've got a lot to look forward to, um, even this season, I think. And I do want to actually have you guys play Nostradamus a little bit and say what you think is going to happen with him this season. But before we do that, just want to remind everyone that you are listening to Lockdown Knicks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. If you like what you hear, head on over to iTunes and rate us five stars. Once again, that's Locked On Knicks. Briefly, predictions for this year for Kevin Knox. How do you think he's going to fare? Drew, why don't we start with you? I think he's. I don't have a very generic answer. I think he's going to do well. I mean, I, I have no idea what his points per game or rebounds or anything are going to be 
right. like that because I don't because I don't even know how this team is really going to shape up because they have like it feels like they have like twenty guards and like only one of them is like and like no like two of them are like good mm-hmm. so and he's like their only player that can play the three and the four outside of Lance Thomas so like he actually may be someone who gets a lot of opportunities like you know he may he may be able to put up some counting numbers they may not be efficient but I I have no idea right now because I kind of want to see how this roster kind of shapes out before I can even like get a good gauge on what he's going to be but I think he'll be fine and you know he'll he'll have an opportunity to uh put up numbers how about you Alex well, so I got to take a quick aside real quick. I, I looked because it was driving me nuts because remember I mentioned that story earlier about, about Knox's dad and all that. Mm-hmm. That was that was Mike Vorkanov with The Athletic. So mm-hmm. I'm so sorry, Mike. I said Mark Berman. That is not correct. So I think Mike... Yeah, we don't want to do this. So I'm hearing, so I'm hearing that you're basically saying Vorkanov is the same as Berman, interchangeable. No, no, they're so exactly different. Exactly the same. No difference. <laughs> They both have M names. That's that's about as far as it goes. <laughs> so, Mike, Mike, if you are a locked on Knicks listener, please don't hold it against me. It was Mike Vorkanov of the Athletic, and he is way better. Um, anyway, so as far as Kevin Knox for this year, uh-huh. I I don't really know what to expect. Like, I want to be surprised. That's what I mostly want. Uh, I I think it would be sick if he like came out and. Uh, you know, looked a little more NBA ready than many people think he will be right from the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, though, I, I feel like he'll probably there's like a chance he might not start the year as a starter, but I think he will definitely earn his way to that point by at the latest, like the trade deadline. Okay. Um, How nice has it been to hear Fisdale talk about just even the possibility of rookies starting? Oh, it's great. I mean, it's such a breath of fresh air because last year with Hornacek, it was just like, there's no way, like, there's there's no way that, you know, anybody, Frank Nilakina could, you know, not start. Like, it's not going to happen, you right. know? And there was just this sense of, like, all right, well, so he could be showing clearly that he's the best point guard option that you have, and you're still not going to play him. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it just because he's a rookie, which is like, I always hate that mentality, and I feel like that's also, like, a real, like, NFL mentality mm-hmm. of, like, rookies don't play, rookies don't start. Like, unless you're a running back and we can use you as a human meat shield, you're not starting as a rookie. And, like, Yeah, and I, I get the idea of making them earn it, and on some level I do agree. Like, if someone shows up and they're not giving it their full effort, they're not putting in the work, yeah, you don't start them. But if it's clearly someone who's a huge part of your future – like a Frank, basically any sort of lottery pick, right? You know, if they are giving a good faith effort, they're giving it their all, um, and even if they're a little bit worse than some other option you have who's not part of the long-term plans, I think you give them some reps as a starter just to give them that experience, you know, and then if they show that they're completely over their head or whatever, you make some adjustments. But this idea that, like, you just got to completely blow away everyone else on the roster no matter what, I don't necessarily agree with. And I certainly don't agree with not playing them when frequently he seemed to be a better option than a Jared Jack. Like, shouts to Jared Jack, I love you. But, you know, um, it wasn't always the case that he was outperforming Frank. So it was a little bit infuriating. Very nice to hear Fisdale uh, speak as if these guys have a chance to get on the court. As far as my opinion on Knox, I think it'll be sort of like, um, 
I think it'll be sort of like his Kentucky career. I think he'll be sort of up and down. I think he'll have some really nice games. I, I think he's going to score 20 points in a game, uh, you know, more than a couple times. I think he'll have, you know, 10 or fewer points more than a couple times. I think it's kind of kind of go like that, depending on the matchup. I think there'll be some guys that he might be able to abuse right away. I mean, I, I think it's possible on a given night against some scrub team where he's got a good matchup. Um, so that's kind of, I, I think he'll be up and down. But I, I can't separate my fandom from my objective analysis. And I know, if I'm like being honest with myself, that I expect him to, I do expect him to surprise some people with his NBA readiness. It's probably my optimistic fandom speaking there a little bit more than I'd like it to. Because I want to be completely objective because this is a court of law. And it's important that we always be, I, I'm sorry, I'm just, I have like a, when people start going off about objectivity when you're covering sports, it's just like, what are we doing here? I don't know. I mean, ultimately, you're on and you're hosting a Knicks podcast. Like, yeah. why you sh- you shouldn't be held to that standard? I don't really. You're, I don't really get you're those pandering complaints. to a demographic. I don't. <laughs> I don't really get those complaints from people, but I just see it a lot when people are like, hey, "You need to be more." It's like, do you really? I don't know. You're talking about uh, sports. It depends on how you position yourself, I guess. Well, it depends on kind of the take and what you're doing, too. I think you should probably strive for more objectivity only because you don't want to sound like a delusional homer when you're yes. evaluating people. But, you know, you kind of can't help it for things when it comes to the sports because there's always going to be an emotional tie to yeah. fandom and whatever you're doing. Like, I know for myself, I try to be as objective as possible, but then I get caught up in, like, memes and loving Ron Baker and I'll never and that sort of stuff. So it's like I can't help it either. But, like, well, that's the thing. we should I, try. Yes. I mean, I want to provide people with, you know, uh, good information that they can use to, you know, know, to sound like they know what they're talking about. And I want to learn the same from other people when I listen to them. But it also is fun. And I got into this because basketball is fun. And I don't want to lose sight of that because I'm trying to be – like a scientist. Do you know what I'm saying? No, um, I completely get it. That's all. It's, it's a balance. I think it's, it's finding a balance. Um, speaking of finding that, that balance, I want to um, switch gears and discuss the uh, second round pick that the Knicks made. And my question for you guys is, how soon is it until we see Mitchell Robinson enter the greatest player of all time debate? Is it end of his rookie season? Is it like a week into his rookie season? When, when do you think Mitchell Robinson becomes the GOAT, surpassing Michael Jordan? First time he steps on the court, mm-hmm. probably. You know, how could you not? <laughs> he's going to dunk from half court, right? First time? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think he's so. doing the stretchy arm, stretchy arm dunk, like from Space Jam. That's going to be him. <laughs> I, mean, I, did, I barely knew uh, anything about this guy, and I looked into you know, obviously looked into it after they drafted him. And, uh, I mean, what jumps off the page immediately is just his just athleticism is unbelievable. Um, what do you guys think about being a little bit more serious? What do you think about uh, this pick? Do you like it? Yeah, um, I, oh, I like it. Right I'll go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. <laughs> I didn't I, – I, so we, like, kind of doled out on, on uh, P&T the night of the draft. We doled out, like, who was going to write about what pick or whatever, and uh-huh. I got the 36 pick. And they took him, and I was like, who in the hell is this kid? And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, I remember him. He uh-huh. was the, the the brief backstory for anybody not familiar who's listening is that he was he was committed to play at Texas A&M out of high school 
Um, but then he decommitted because the coach at A and M uh, got fired there. So he followed the coach to Western Kentucky, and then he went to Western Kentucky for like two weeks, and uh, and then like just didn't play there. Well, I, and so, it's okay, like really, I, I could fill us in a little bit. His his yeah. godfather, like his literal godfather, was an assistant coach there. Then he quit. Um, and that started him thinking maybe he didn't want to be there anymore. I'm not sure what the circumstances were around that. And what seems messed up is um, there's all kinds of weird NCAA stuff going on with his story that I don't 100% understand, but I know he got all kinds of bad advice. One of the things was like signing a letter of intent. Apparently, if you're an actual top recruit, you never really do that, and that way you can kind of like <laughs> move wherever you want, whenever you want. But also, he started taking summer... Uh, classes, maybe worried about the academic load. And once he did that, he was officially like declared a freshman there. And if he wanted to go somewhere else, he would basically have to redshirt. Um, he wouldn't be allowed to transfer and play his freshman year. He could have applied for some sort of exception, but apparently it's something that the NCAA almost never grants to allow someone to transfer and play that same year for a different school. So it seems like he... Watching him like speak during his press conference, and then like hearing this story, it almost seems like he's someone who's maybe like not the most confident in like his own decisions, and kind of got some bad advice from some people around him. It seems sort of like that, but it's it's hard to say. Yeah, it's it's just a weird read, but I mean, ultimately, like my thought on the whole thing is that if the Knicks and you know, if Perry and Mills felt confident taking him based off, you know, meeting with him. And I, I want to say I saw that they didn't actually get like a, like a one-on-one workout with him, but they saw like workout footage of him and whatnot. Uh If they, I would say if they felt confident, I feel confident. It seems like Nick's management and Fizdale have their heads on straight as far as like, we're not going to draft or sign anybody here. Who's going to be a problem. Like we just want people that are going to come to work, like with their lunch pail, and right. you know, work work hard for us, play basketball, do things the way we want them to be done. So, if they didn't get the impression that he was that type of kid, then they probably wouldn't have taken him. Yeah, now it's I, a weird situation, but you don't hear anything about partying or anything like that. You know, it, it just seems no. like it was the wrong choice, but it doesn't seem like it was born out of laziness or stupidity. It might have just been like naivety. Some bad advice is kind of my read. Yeah, the only thing that was like a tiny bit worrisome to me, and I touched on this like when I was when I was writing my little blurb on him right after the uh-huh. draft. It's like I found it a little weird that he didn't pursue some sort of organized basketball. It's odd. Like, like he couldn't play. He couldn't play in the NCAA. And I saw that he um, there was some rule with the G League where he wasn't allowed to sign there for one reason or another. Oh, okay. But I mean, you can't do the G League. You can't do the NCAA. But you could do the Thon Maker route. He could have gone back for like a grad school year at a prep school, uh-huh. which is totally allowed, and he could have done that. Uh, he could have gone over to Europe for one yeah. for one go. You know, he could have gone over to China. He could have but done I mean, a junior also, college was another option. Junior college also, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just sort of thought that he would have picked up something. Like he would have wanted to play some organized ball. But then you see that he was training with like NBA trainers, and then you say, okay, well maybe maybe he had this figured out right. It just it was weird. It seemed really unprecedented because it seems like every time someone in recent years has decided not to go to college, 
they go and they pursue some other avenue to keep playing organized ball to try to get better. I mean, maybe he thought he had to do that for himself for whatever reason, but I do think it's clear that that cost him draft position big time. If he just went to a junior college and like destroyed people like they were in high school, that would have been, I think, a lot better for him than what he did. But, Drew, do you have any thoughts on this pick? Well, before I get into Mitchell Robinson, I know I was crushed when... I'm, I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Rodonis uh, Kurix, the guy from uh, the Latvia who played yeah. the Latvian. So I was crushed that the Knicks didn't pick him at 36 because I just want like an old Latvian team. Like I want, um, I want the guy from uh, San Antonio whose name I'm blanking Bertans. on. Bertans. Bertans. Yeah, I want like Bertans and Kurix and Porzingis. I just want all of them and, on the Knicks. And then that French guy, just Latvian and French from now. Yeah, on. pretty much. That's that's all. That's all I wanted. But um. Oh yeah, I was I was very upset when he when the Suns picked him, but for uh, Mitchell, I, to be honest, I'm not really concerned at all about any of this. Um, it sounds like he just got bad advice for the most part, and he just kind of like he kind of fell through the cracks with the um, with the NCAA with all their terrible restrictions right. and shadiness and stuff, and even playing not playing organized basketball. I mean he he was training like you said he was training with professional guys. Um, he, and he ended up probably in one of the better places for organization. Oddly enough, he probably ended up in one of the better organizations because the next G League is what yeah. the the best or the second best com- behind like the Raptors. Well, they were the in only, terms of like they, they were the only team last year that had all five of their starters called up. I believe you could argue about level of success once there, but just from like raw yes. number of people, yeah, yeah. So the idea of him, you know, not playing organized ball is like it's fine. Like he's what I think he's going to turn twenty, so he can spend. You know, and he's still really like he's young. Like he could spend all year in the G League, um, like this upcoming year, just to play organized ball and just get uh-huh. you know reacclimated. And I don't honestly like long term. I don't really think it's that big a deal. I think him training, trying to you know improve just skills, probably in terms of you know athleticism, dribbling, shooting. Like yeah, you want to do all, all that in a game, but sure, um, he's gonna have he's gonna have that time to do it anyway. The, the summer league practice, G League, so. I, I think he probably landed, oddly enough, he, one of the better places for him would be, like, the next G League. So I think it worked out for him, honestly, even yeah. if you know, it probably cost him some guaranteed money because he's a second-round pick. But long-term-wise, it, it, this may be the best thing for him. Yeah, it feels weird to say that, but I, I think I agree. And I, overall, I, once I found out who this guy was, I mean, I love this pick. I love this pick. That's exactly where you should take a swing at someone like this. I mean, he clearly has... Like, just immense potential way beyond the typical prospect that's available there in the draft. Uh, so if you think he's got his head screwed on even a little bit right, um, I, I think you you got to go for it. And, and he's just, uh, I don't know, if, if you haven't seen, I retweeted this the other day, there's video of him. He basically takes one dribble. I mean, he's throwing the dribble ahead and kind of chasing it, so it's, you know, it's not exactly what it sounds like, but... He takes one dribble from the opposite three-point line and is able to dunk. Like, from, from like... Yeah. <laughs> basically... Yeah, it's the craziest thing. Yeah. One dribble from three-quarter court, to put it another way. And he's able to throw it down, like, viciously. Um, it's, I've, it's just insane. And everyone says he's got great shot-blocking instincts. And just because you're tall doesn't mean you have those. I can't really speak to that. I've seen some high school footage, blah, blah, blah. But you look at someone like a DeAndre Ayton, who is just a beast and is as tall as you know Robinson is, but he didn't have those instincts. Um, you don't necessarily have them just because you're a big dude. 
So if he does, that's something to look forward to. Um, and he just likes to yam it on fools <laughs> and has he just there are some he gets up so high like his I feel like he could touch the back of the the top of the backboard like Dwight Howard style or Earl the Goat Mana Goat for more uh, old school. Did uh reference. did you guys see the the YouTube video? Of the uh, like the French Canadian like twelve year old who's like six foot like ten dominating twelve year olds on like an eight foot rim. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. That's that's what Mitchell Robinson's high school tape actually like legitimately looks like. He's just blocking shots. He's everywhere. He's just like dunking over people. It's it's very impressive high school tape. And, I, and if I I already don't like college tape because you know college kids stink. Like high school kids are even worse. Sure. So this is just like just to see like a t- I think he was what, he was the top ten prospect from like the uh, ESPN yes. ranking. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He was like Anywhere somewhere in like nine and 11. Yeah, yes. he was, yeah, he was something like that. So just to see like a top prospect like that, just dominate, you know, like six feet and under kids is truly hilarious. So I would definitely watch like this high school tape too. It's fantastic <laughs> for comic. Yeah, that's true. I can vouch for the comic well, relief aspect of that. Also, it, I don't know. I don't know how much weight, you know, we put in this, but, uh, I saw it. I, I can't honestly say that I actually listened to it, uh, uh, but I saw retweeted on my Twitter the other day that uh, Woj the other day was lasered in on Mitchell Robinson <laughs> at one point uh, and was comparing him favorably on a pod to like DeAndre Ayton or to Mo Bamba and yeah. being like, this guy could be at their level yeah. like within two, three years. He just needs a little more time. And I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. Not that Woj is like, you know, a scout or whatever. Like, the man breaks news, but that's a pretty ringing endorsement. And, he, and chances are he's probably heard that from a scout or a front office person to be saying something like that. So that's pretty reassuring to me. It's, it's very easy to look at his raw tools and imagine someone who's an incredible NBA player, honestly. I mean, that you know, the odds are probably against him relative to someone who didn't go through all this because it does throw into question what's going on over there, but... Um, as far as natural ability goes, I mean, it's it's obvious why he would be a top ten recruit, like for sure. Um, do you guys? Now that we've talked a little bit about both these guys, um, have any closing thoughts on the draft in general? Do you, any any stray thoughts that we didn't get to before we? Do you, Do you want to do the cliche grade the draft thing? Should we all grade it? Oh sure, grade it. Let's let's grade it. Oh no, oh god. Okay. Drew's, Drew's going to be like, I'm objective. And <laughs> it's all about different probabilities of outcomes. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> Let me draw you a statistical model. <laughs> I like pretending uh, that I'm a complete moron. I mean, I hope I'm pretending anyway. We kid because very- we love. If you're listening to the show for the first time, I am very statistically minded. I might not have the same aptitude as a Drew Steele, but I do believe in advanced stats and the power of numbers to help enlighten us. So, you know, it's right. Yeah, and we, and we roast think, each other all the time, too. Keep yeah, that in mind. It's, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't end. We're growing, we're growing every day, guys, so I need to let the new people in on, you know, in case they are a little confused. That's all. That's... It's also very clear if you if you listen to Drew speak or type for – a certain amount of time and listen to you or I, James, that uh-huh. he is much better at this whole statistics thing than we are generally. So it's all out of love. That's true. <laughs> I have much better taste in, in, you know, music, movies, that kind of thing, just art in oh, general. Oh, but, 
But, but Drew's got the math, you know? You can't take that away from him. I heard that math people can't be art people. It's like a right brain, left brain thing, so it all makes sense. That's true. That's a fact. It's true fact. It's proven by science. <laughs> <laughs> so grades. Who wants to grade first? Uh, right. I'll grade first. Yeah. You go, you go first, Drew. Go for it. You sure? Yeah, let it rip, man. All right, I'm giving them an A++ in this draft. <laughs> I love it. Because uh, grades don't matter at this point. I just They just made smart picks, so A++. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to temper expectations just a little bit, <laughs> and I'm going to give them just an A. Because <laughs> um, I, think, I think Knox was I, – I think that basically it was very refreshing – to see them practice what they preach, which the Knicks yeah. don't always do. Um, the Knicks have been saying for months, you know, for really since the beginning of last season, like since when they hired Perry, that they're just going to be looking for, for potential and they're going to be trying to find, you know, a team of, of long athletic players that can alter the game in multiple ways. And quite frankly, at their two respective draft positions, they picked probably the two players that were most fitting of that profile uh also super young with tons of upside so i mean that plus the i'm gonna almost consider it like their third draft pick signing alonzo trier right right after the draft uh who's a a shooting guard small forward prospect out of arizona who had little troubles with peds apparently true and we will talk about him in uh another a future a future stowed i'm sure but uh, i'm counting that as kind of part of their draft night hall and like all in all they did really good i mean i thought that it was just it, it was very on brand with what the knicks front office has been advertising in these last you know, eight, ten months. I, I, I have to agree. I, I, I can't figure out a way to give them less than an A, which is not to say that I'm convinced that both these guys are going to reach their full potential, but I can't fault the thought process at all. Um, and I feel like they're the moves of a front office that's confident and, you know, they're standing in the organization. They're not making any sort of like panic moves to try to save their job. It's the moves of an, uh, of a front office that has a long view on things. I think they took calculated risks. They weren't wild risks. I think Michael Porter Jr. at nine, ultimately, given what we now know about his medicals, that he might sit out a year. I mean, look, sitting out a year, and B did it, Simmons did it. We don't know how their careers are going to go, but right now it doesn't look like that's necessarily a death blow. But it looks like with where the Knicks were, like. As much as I want to swing for that upside potential, you know, they already do have, like, a Chris Stapps. They don't have to find the, like, guy who could be a top five NBA player, which is kind of the play you're going for with a Michael Porter Jr. So I, I feel like they did the kind of, like, the next best thing of swinging for upside with a Kevin Knox while not necessarily just settling for a McCall, although I still like McCall. Although, did you guys – we were – were we making fun of this in the PNT Slack, that weird – uh, video of his shooting drills that surfaced today. Yeah, those, yeah, those that are weird. was really weird. It looks he had a weird hitch in his shot that made me think I don't know anything, or maybe just confirmed. <laughs> I was like, it could be a drill, and he's going slow for some reason or whatever. But it was wasn't the joke on the tweet saying that because he spent ten minutes with uh, Markel Fultz, his tweet, his uh, shot mechanics are messed up. I think that was the yeah, tweet that was shared in Slack. That was that was a good joke. I recommend people uh, seeking out. 
this footage of Mikhail Bridges shooting because it is strange. But yeah, so you know, given just like where the Knicks are, what they've said they want to accomplish, um, and I agree with all of their goals, they do need to get more athletic. That you know, that's the Knicks haven't been athletic for as long as I've been a Knicks fan. <laughs> it's like always been at a talent deficit there it feels like and I'm someone who talks a lot about you know IQ being like super important in you know basketball kind of being an old man game in a way that if you know what you're doing you don't have to be the best athlete but you got to have a certain baseline and all things considered if you do have the IQ and you've got the athleticism that's better than just you know the IQ so I don't know I, I, I'm starting to ramble a little bit but I, I just thought the Knicks did a great job and what these guys wind up being who knows but I can't fault how they went about the decision at all. So I'm really happy with it. Um, and I'm happy with the show that we put together. I want to thank you guys both so much for joining me on this very special edition of Locked On Knicks. And uh, why don't you let the people know where they can find you. You can you can promote some stuff if you want. No anime, though. That's just <laughs> right off the bat, Drew. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. And this is one of the wonderful works of Studio Ghibli, such as Spirited Away, which is truly a masterpiece. Other than that, no anime recommendations, but why don't we start with you, Drew. Where can the people find you online? And if you want to plug something, go ahead. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at ScooterToots, and I will more than likely be talking about Westworld or My Hero Academia on Twitter. Since it's the off-season, so that's where you can find me, ScooterToots. Is that the name of a thing, or is like the concept of academia your hero? Oh no! For the people who uh, who know it, will get what I just did. So, to you guys who get it, you're welcome. I've been low key watching that show on Adult Swim the last few weeks, and it's pretty good. Okay. What is it? <laughs> G- give me the elevator pitch. Give me the elevator it's, pitch. It's an anime about like um, <laughs> about like this world where like kids get like these get superhero powers and they call them quirks and then and it's about like this kid who like gets a quirk and then like he goes to school basically to learn how to use it it's so pretty it's cool an, so it's an x-men ripoff um and it's a kid's rule adults drool uh it's it's for 11 year olds basically is that what i'm hearing sure that's that's the uncultured way of looking at it yeah yeah, yeah i would say yeah that's the uneducated <laughs> way but sure yeah that's it all right, Alex, why don't you let people know where they can find you and if you have anything you want to plug. So I'm on Twitter at the Alex Wolf with an E at the end. Yes. And I write for postingandtoasting.com. We just got finished putting together our amazing draft week coverage, and now we're working on some amazing free agent coverage. So we'll have some <laughs> stuff coming so out. That's sarcastic. I know, seriously. <laughs> no, I'm trying. I'm trying to sound like exaggerated. Amazing! Oh, it's amazing. Thing. Like really good. Sound like it did. Yeah. Yeah. But, well, I'm I, I'm being you know I'm trying not to pump myself up too much. I'm not a narcissist, but well, that we're, we're pretty us. damn good. That makes one of us. Yeah. My name's James Marcita, and you can find me <laughs> at Locked On Knicks or the world famous NBA Twitter report. But getting back to our full guest. NBA hey, Twitter report? You just yeah. called it NBA Twitter report. You <laughs> didn't even say your right thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. There's so much talent hey. and potential oozing from this side of the microphone. Yeah, go go follow NBA Twitter report. That guy is <laughs> a fantastic follow. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You got it. Later, James. See you, James. Yeah, 
Yeah! Yeah! You know what I'm saying? New Knicks! New Knicks with lots of promise. We don't know what they're going to be. It's exciting. It's an exciting time to be a fan of a bad franchise. Historically, I think we're on the right path. But you know what I mean? New draft picks. New blood. I love it. Love talking to my friends Alex and Drew. I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode of Locked On Knicks. That's it for us. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you got a moment, rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to the show if you have not already. Tell your friends about the sensation that is Locked On Knicks if you haven't already. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Knicks or NBA Injury Report. Not Twitter Report. Injury Report. Be chill to each other. I know it's hard sometimes. I don't always follow his advice, but try to if you can. Spay and new to your pets. If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it all the way down. And always salt the pasta water. Don't ever forget. That's criminal, son. Finally, last but not least, take that, take that, take that. For data. That's it. Peace.